Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, and you know it. All done without any manipulation. That's right. No games, no gimmicks, no hidden agendas. Just here to give you accurate information. And that information is designed to help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If you can do that, you have the freedom to orient and adjust to the plan. But my job, as always, is to get it accurate. Not to give you some sort of human inspiration or human stipulation, but to give you divine inspiration, to give you what the Word of God says, what the Bible says. We don't don't deal in useless speculation, but rather accurate information from the Scripture, from the canon, from the Word of God. So many people, I get letters and calls from so many people that are listening in so many places, and I am very grateful for that because I don't have a clue. I don't know who's listening where, and yet when I get friends that contact me from California or friends that contact me from uh, Maryland or friends that contact me from Wyoming or friends that contact me from Arizona or Mississippi, that lets me know that God is using these messages, and for that I am so very grateful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for encouraging me, and I pray that as we come into this new year, in the year 2015, that if our Lord does tarry and he doesn't return, uh, then we will have a tremendous opportunity to glorify him to the maximum through our lives. Today I'd like to talk to you about something that I feel is important, something that's been on my mind as I've been preparing this message for you. As our Lord began his public ministry, you know and I know he was uh, rebuked, he was rejected, and uh, he gave many warnings. And in light of those warnings, particularly in Matthew chapter 11, you find the Lord Jesus Christ giving warnings to those towns that rejected his message. He sent out 70 to prepare the way for him as he went towards Jerusalem. And during that time, many towns rejected the message. But our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has a wonderful statement in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through verse 30. And that's where I want to center my attention today. And I would like to ask you to please focus on this with me. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the passage that I want us to look at today. This is a personal invitation from your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, to come unto him if you are under pressure if you're under pressure. And the pressure that our Lord spoke of there was the religious pressure that the Pharisees and the scribes put upon the people, the pressure to conform to the law of Moses 
if they indeed wanted to enter the kingdom of God. That pressure was enormous. They had religious police that patrolled the streets that would correct people who were out of line. They had such laws and regulations that had been issued down and changed from the law of Moses, uh, the traditions, the traditions of the elders, and it was amazing what these people could and could not do. And thus the general population were confused and under great bondage. Bondage, financial bondage, mental bondage, things like this. And so our Lord makes this statement. He makes an amazing statement, and that statement I would like to give to you today. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We start off with the word take, very simple word, and you may know that this is, we're going to the original languages here. We're not going to use the English. We're going to go into the Greek New Testament, as this actually was written in Koine Greek dialect. Take is an active imperative. It's a verb. It shows action. It's an order. It's a mandate. It's a command. The imperative is the mood of command. And the word is airo, A-I-R-O. It means to lift up or to receive. And so our Lord Jesus Christ is giving a command, a command to you as well as me to take his yoke. This is not a request. This is a command. And so when we disobey the command, then obviously to him that knoweth that doeth right and doeth that doesn't do it, it's sin. We know it's sin when we disobey a command. Take the yoke, and here's the key word, the yoke, Y-O-K-E, or in the Greek, the zugos, Z-U-G-O-S. Metaphorically, it's used of a burden or a bondage or where two things are joined together. And what we're talking about here is the troublesome laws that have been imposed on one, especially the Mosaic law. Hence the name is so transferred to the commands of Christ as to contrast them with the commands of the Pharisees. And though that yoke that the Pharisees gave was impossible to bear, and yet the commands that Christ gives must be submitted to also, though it is much easier to bear, much easier to keep. So our Lord Jesus Christ offers you a choice today. You can follow me or you can follow them. You can follow my standards, or you can live by their standards. You can obey me, or you can obey them. The Vines Dictionary of New Testament Words speaks about this yoke as a metaphorical coupling of two things together. It's submission to the authority of Jesus Christ, not simply commanding you, but sharing with you. It's the same yoke he carries his yoke, your yoke, you're yoked together. You are together at the helm. You are together in Christ. Peter uses these words in Acts 15.10. It seems the apostle Paul had been confronted by certain men, and then he had gone to Jerusalem to get a clarification. See, these men came down from Judea and taught that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses that you could not be saved. Now that's quite a yoke. 
the yoke of religious circumcision. And this is what religion will do for you. Religion will place a yoke around your neck that you cannot live up to. Remember that Christianity, as we've said before, many people said it before I said it, but it is not a religion. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Christians are religious people, yes, but religion is not how you become a Christian. Religion can be and often is the yoke of bondage. Because a religious person may tell you you can't be a Christian and smoke, you can't be a Christian and drink, you can't be a Christian and dance, you can't be a Christian and wear makeup, you can't be a Christian and drink Pepsi Cola. I mean, they have all the crazy rules you can imagine. I can remember back when I accepted Christ as my Savior and the yoke of bondage that many people put me under, just and not specifically saying that, but implying that if you're a Christian, you wouldn't do those things. Well, Christians do smoke. Christians do drink. Christians do drink and gamble and do things, but they don't submit to the bondage of that sin. And that's not what the Bible's teaching. Listen, Acts 15, 5 through 12, this is what Peter said. Some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it's necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And when the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter, when there had been much discussion, Peter rose up. This is what Peter said. Amazing. And Peter was known to be quite impetuous. On many occasions, Peter made mistakes, but not here. He said, and I quote, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke, there's our word, zugos, putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. That's faith alone in Christ alone. You do not have to be circumcised to be saved. You do not have to be baptized to be saved. You do not have to join any certain church to be saved. What do you have to do to be saved? Well, let's listen to the words of Peter. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And what did they do? They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12 of Acts 15. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring the many miracles and wonders that God had worked among them or through them among the Gentiles. Paul's tremendous ministry, and this was one of the things, he did not preach circumcision. That was a Jewish tradition, a Jewish custom the custom of the law of Moses for hygiene purposes, but it had nothing to do uh, 
with entering the kingdom of God. So the question that I want to ask you today about this yoke is what are you yoked with? What yoke are you bound to? Are you bound to a religious yoke? Do you go to a church, for example, that teaches you that uh, you're not a very good Christian if you don't tithe 10% of your income? That you're not a very good Christian if you uh, watch any movie that's anything other than G-rated? That you're not a very good Christian if you don't dress a certain way or talk a certain way? See, that's an invisible yoke of bondage that denominations and religions place on you. They want you to fit in. They want you to, to live their way. They want to tell you that you're not a good Christian if you don't do these things. Well, first of all, listen, there's nothing wrong with giving to your church. I'm not criticizing that. But tithing was an Old Testament <clears throat> system of taxation. Everybody in the entire nation those that believed and those that didn't believe gave 10% of their income to maintain the temple. You're not under that yoke of bondage of tithing. You give in the New Testament as God has blessed you. So when someone says, if you don't tithe 10%, you're not a good Christian, that is a lie. And they'll get up there and they will tell you how much God has blessed them since they started tithing. I've heard it all. That is not true. God doesn't bless you based on what you do or don't do. God blesses you based on what Christ did. And you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. If you get this idea that you're going to earn God's blessing by doing certain things, by tithing or by polishing your shoes every Sunday or by giving up M&Ms and now God's going to bless me, then you are trying to make a human out of God. You're humanizing God. You're trying to bring him down to your level. And it doesn't work that way. So whatever yoke religion bonds you to, you need to break free of that. You're not mandated to live that way. If you don't understand what the Bible says, then you will be chained up and yoked up in religious bondage all of your life. Because there are people that love to bind people up to tradition, to make you live a certain way. And if you don't, they will be quick to publicly criticize you and ostracize you for not being a very good Christian. Are you bound to a social yoke? Do you find that in order to fit into certain society, you have to act a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way? that you have to meet that yoke. Some people, it's an amazing the way some people live. They want to be accepted in certain social circles because they feel like they've arrived if they get into that circle. But in order to get into the circle, they have to live a lie. They have to live in a house they can't afford. They have to drive a car they can't afford. And they have to live a lifestyle they can't afford. But oh, they can buy their friends by going bankrupt. They can purchase their friends by acting a certain way. That's not a free way of living. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus Christ. He will set you free. Don't have to live under the yoke of any social burden. You don't have to live under the yoke of any religious burden. 
You don't have to live under the yoke of a family burden. Anything that takes away your freedom is a yoke of bondage. Christ offers freedom, not bondage. Freedom. You know, tonight you may be bound up, or today, this morning, if you're listening, you may be bound up to some sin. And you want to get out of it, and you want to break it. You want to move away from it. And yet it keeps calling you back. And you're not able to say no, and you're not able to walk away. You are a slave to that sin. But there is freedom in Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and when you receive him as your Savior, he frees you. He frees you from the bondage of sin and death. You're set free. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. In John 8.36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The wonderful thing about this is we are free from the debt of sin. Since Jesus Christ, our Savior, purchased us, bought us, paid the price for us to be taken out of the slave market of sin, we are now free in Christ Jesus. He paid a ransom for you. He did. He redeemed you from the penalty of sin. Listen carefully. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life that was inherited from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish. What redeems you from the slave market of sin? Can you pay your way out of hell? No. Can you give enough money to the church so that you don't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire? No. What bought you and paid for you is the death of our Savior on that cross. When he shed his blood for you, he was innocent. He was the Lamb of God. He had no sin, no blemish of sin. And yet all of my sin and all of your sin was placed on him on the cross. And thus the one that knew no sin was made sin for us. The Bible clearly says that he who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. Now let's think about it. I know I've done some horrible sins and you know you have too. And if you want to think about it just for a minute, in eternity past, all of these sins that you and I have done, they were placed on Christ. They were given to him. He had to pay for them. And it required his physical death. Do you remember what he said on the cross? He pronounced it, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in those three hours of darkness on the cross, all of my sin, all of your sin, was rolled over him. 
and he bore the burden of our sin. God the Father poured out on him the judgment that you and me, the judgment we deserved. He took our place. And when he did that, he redeemed us from the judgment of God. You see, God is perfectly righteous, and God is perfectly just. And what the righteousness of God rejects, the justice of God will judge. And so the justice of God was forced to judge you and me because we are not righteous. And yet through Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death and the payment for our sin, we are made righteous. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, was made sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. He bought our freedom. He set us free, free from the penalty of hell, free from the penalty of the lake of fire, free from the power of sin in our life, free in Christ. Ephesians 1.17, by whom, that's Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our sin. His blood, his death on the cross, his sacrificial death, as the lamb was sacrificed in the Old Testament, representative analogy of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, so Christ was the lamb who died for us. All of our sins were on him. And thus the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have freedom today through Christ. Freedom from the yoke and the bondage of sin. Freedom from the yoke and the bondage of religion. Freedom from the yoke and bondage of social burdens and family burdens. Do you know how to use your freedom? Jesus said in this passage that we're studying in Matthew that we are to learn from him. He said in Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30, learn from me. That is an aorist active imperative of the Greek New Testament verb montano. M-A-N-T-H-A-N-O, M-A-N-T-H-A-N-O, Montano. The aorist active imperative of that verb means that this, again, is the mood of command. This is not a request. The active voice submits that the subject produces the action of the verb, and that's you and me. We must learn. The constantive aorist says there never is a time that we're not to learn. We are mandated to learn from him. That means we are to increase in knowledge or increase in understanding or what we did not understand before, now we will understand. One of the most amazing things about becoming a Christian is seeing life as it really is, seeing what you never saw before, Understanding from divine viewpoint the perspective of life that you could never see before from human viewpoint. It's an amazing difference. And you know when you get to heaven, you're going to see things you never saw before either. Colors you've never seen, sounds you've never heard, it's all in heaven. 
all waiting for you. But now that you're here, you must learn from him. Learning from him. What, what do I need to learn? Well, he tells us. He gives us his personality profile. He says, I'm meek and lowly. Meek is the word praos, P-R-A-O-S, and it means that he's mild, he's gentle. He's not given to emotional outbreaks of anger. That's a sign of self-control. And that he's lowly in heart. And that's a metaphor for humility. And Paul wrote that in Philippians 2.5. It talks about how the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and became a man. Yes, he did. He was the God-man. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ became man. He's God in man in one body forever. And he goes on to say, if you learn from me, you will find rest. One of the things my pastor has been doing now for several years is teaching a study in the life of Christ. And the more I learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I see about me, the more I understand about me, the more I see how he handled things and how I handle things, and the more inspired I am. Thus, he says, our Lord says, if you will learn from me, you will find rest. Anaposis is the Greek word, A-N-A-P-A-U-S-I-S. Anaposis. Rest is how we translate it, and it means refreshment. It means intermission. It means that you can rest, and it's not a rest from, from never doing anything again. It's not a, a rest of being inactive, but it's the rest of working in harmony, not against, but in harmony with Jesus Christ. Yoke of Jesus Christ, working with him, in harmony with him. What an amazing place to be. He goes on in Matthew eleven thirty to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Christ, there's rest. Rest for your souls. Mentality, that's part of your soul. There's rest from mental pressure. Mental pressure such as guilt and shame and jealousy and hatred. You don't have to live like that anymore. I mean, what keeps you awake at night? There's rest from that in Christ. Volition, that's part of your soul. God gives you the ability to choose. And there's rest when you come to Jesus Christ. Rest from making crucial decisions, such as a marriage partner or a future career path in life, because you know that God has it all planned out, all laid out, and all you have to do is learn it, understand it, and follow it. It's an amazing thing. Conscience is part of your soul. God gave you a conscience. It's a protective barrier for your soul. It's that invisible part. And confidence is the rest afforded by a clean conscience. Rest, confidence, encouragement. If you do not yoke with Jesus Christ, you will never find rest. And you will beat your brains out trying to find something in life that's not there. I hope you're listening, and I hope you will listen to the words of Christ. Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Until next week, it's Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. 
thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.